Welcome to Chicago History and Automotive Heaven, Saturdays at 4 p.m. on WCPT, 820 a.m. With Richie Z, Chicago's historian and storyteller. Richie takes the mystery out of Chicago history. We're also going to do a segment called, If You Have an Automotive Glitch, Don't Bitch, Call Rich. Everybody, it's Richie Z. Just trying to get my uh, Facebook thing up, and it doesn't seem to be working. That's a wonderful way to get back after being on vacation for a couple weeks. Uh, I'm going to just try one more time. And we don't have it. Oh, okay. That's great. Listen, folks, uh, I got a really cool show for you today. Um, I've been gone for a couple weeks now. Uh, Man, I'll tell you about the trip in a little bit, but uh, we went out to uh, Phoenix, uh, Nevada, Arizona, Las Vegas. Uh, It was just really a cool thing, so I'll touch on that later. But uh, this week I was thinking about what to do, and something came across on Facebook uh, where I posted it on my site, and that was uh, Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey was one of my mentors, folks. So um, I saw that. It did. Uh, he was with Angel, his wife, uh, and they were on a street in Chicago where they were renaming a street Paul Harvey Drive. So it was really cool. So I did this story a while back, but I figured I'd write a whole story. So in the last couple of days, we uh, I put together a whole thing of the history of the greatest uh, radio personality to ever live. I mean, he was the guy. Um, just a few things before I get into his history. Uh, the man just uh, was really something else. He, uh, he just told the story. He never... Uh, went after one side or the other um it was just really really something the way he was so let's get started with the history of uh, one of the greatest radio personalities ever paul harvey september 4th 1918 to february 28th 2001 he was the American's radio broadcast news commentary, uh, but he also was uh, the one that had the rest of the story. And his wife, Angel, came up with that idea, the rest of the story. So that was really cool. Um, and with those stories that Paul Harvey told all along, um, his son, Paul Harvey Jr., actually wrote those stories. So uh, I've got a little screen of my uh, Facebook up. Okay. Uh, do we have, can we get it up on the, yeah, or, so we could? Go to facebook.com slash WCPT820. Okay. I'm going to just keep going with the show. Um, <laughs> my Facebook is, you know, we're having issues. I got to get here earlier next week and see if we can straighten this out because it's like the a few times where we're not being on. You're on. Huh? You're on right now. I'm on right now? Yeah. Okay. I'm not on the full screen, so. All right. It's cool. It's cool. Okay. 
So uh, his son wrote the stories that he told on radio, Paul Harvey told on radio. The segments uh, ran from 1951 to 2008. His program reached over 24 million listeners on radio. Uh, people, uh, people every week. New, <coughs> new was uh, carried over 1,200 radio station and on 400 American uh, force radio network stations too. In over 30 newspapers, published the rest of the story with Paul Harvey. He died in Phoenix, Arizona a place where he vacationed. He lived in River Forest, Illinois, and was buried, actually, in Forest Park. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Paul Harvey in the 90s. I was doing some work in River Forest. He lived somewhere uh, down the street, and he saw me. Now, I was on television. I was on local cable television show called How To uh, With Your Automobile was my first show. Um, I was on for a few years. I started in 89. Um, he, he walked up to me. I was doing some work at a house, and he walked up to me, and he goes, uh, are you Rich Zatkowski? I go, yes. I said, you're Paul Harvey. He goes, yeah. He says, I just wanted to let you know, I've seen your show, and I watch it on a regular basis. I love what you're doing. Uh, keep up the good work. You know, I talk about it sometimes about, uh, you know, it's it's wonderful to be positive. It's wonderful to help people. I'm going to get into some of that today also. But when you have people like this um, telling you that, it's like uh, it's like the leprechauns bringing you a pot of gold. You know, it just really um, puts a wind in your sail and it makes you feel great. Um, also, there's a few people that I actually started out I was like trying to be like them I could never be like Paul Harvey but I I try to be like him okay in a way where he was always positive never never did he after actually get into an argument with anybody or go after anybody or any of that so okay so he was born in uh, Tucson no uh, uh, yeah Tucson Oklahoma and he was the son of a police officer. Uh, he was born in uh, 1918, and um, his father was a police officer who was killed by robbers in 1921. So Paul Harvey, at a young age, lost his father. Paul Harvey made radio receivers as a young boy. One of his teachers in school was impressed with his voice. She told him, she recommended to him that he start at radio, start doing something with radio. So at a very young age, um, it was 1933, he went to work at uh, KVOO Radio in Oklahoma, okay? Uh, He was actually cleaning up the station and that, but it didn't last long in a short period of time, he became started reading commercials and the news, doing what he just loved. Um, as a student at the University of Tulsa, he kept working at the radio station 
um, they announced later that he became the program director. In three years, he became the station manager for KFBI AM radio. He moved to the radio later in uh, Kansas, Oklahoma, in 1933 on KXOK in St. Louis. Now, this is an event that... uh, was really something. He went to work there in St. Louis as a event director and moved up the ladder and becoming the station manager. Short period of time, he moved actually to um, Hawaii to cover the U.S. Navy. After the attack of Pearl Harbor, he enlisted in the U.S. Army Air Force. He served from December 1943 to March 1944. He got a medical discharge. He wasn't able to work. He didn't like that. He wanted to serve our country, um, but he couldn't do it because of a medical issue he had. So he moved to Chicago, Illinois in June of 1944. He began broadcasting on ABC in 1949 or 45 and began hosting the post-war employment program for jobs for GI Joes on WENR. He began the rest of the story in 1946. This man was really, really something else. Um, On April 1st, 1951, at ABC Radio Network, he began to 15-minute broadcasts started to go with nationwide coverage. Paul Harvey Jr. was the producer and writer of the rest of the story. He actually was the producer of the radio show. Something I learned because of being in Chicago and all of that, you guys know I love history and everything, so something I learned uh, while I was in River Forest, the place I was doing work for, Paul Harley lived down the street from there, and uh, he actually bought the house next to him. There were there, there are mansions out there. Um, it's on the outside of Chicago. You know, there's Oak Park and then there's River Forest. Well, he bought the mansion next door. Well, he went to the uh, his neighbor and uh, told him he wanted to buy the home. The gentleman wasn't uh, excited about selling his house, this and that. They came to a deal. I heard that Paul Harvey gave him like an extra fifteen or $20,000 to buy that home next door to his. The reason he did that was because he wanted his son to live next door to him. Um, I learned something, too. Back then, I mean, it's not like today with computers and everything else, but um, they actually put together a studio where they were able to tape some segments and do some things back in the day. So that was kind of cool. Instead of having to go downtown, um, so Paul Harvey was producer. Rest of the story. November of 2000, Paul Harvey signed a contract with the radio station for 10 years 
$100 million for 10 years. He was, at that time, the highest paid radio personality in the nation. And that was with ABC. Um, stepped into the show, and his house, his son... Um, his wife, Angel, passed away in a short time after that, back in uh, 2001. Paul Harvey passed away, too. If anybody would like to call in and talk about this or, or anything else you want to ask me about Chicago history and that, 773-763-9278. I'll tell you a little bit about my trip to, uh, well, it goes like this, folks. Uh, I left um, on a Friday. Saturday, I was in Phoenix, Arizona. We went to the uh, Hall of Flame Fire Museum. My friend Gary and I uh, went there. They had a real cool day going. I got... uh, I took 600 pictures with my phone, so we're going to be posting stuff on my website uh, about the trip, but also from the places I were. I I went. The Hall of Flame Fire Museum in Phoenix has about $10 million worth of fire apparatus since the beginning of uh, America. In fact, they have the uh, the buggy and uh, the pumper from the Great Chicago Fire, 1871. So that was kind of cool to see. But they had a, a a Halloween show that day when we were there. And it was just really something. They put people in all the pumpers. And they had like a little chute so kids could walk up and get candy in their bag and stuff. It was really, really something to see. Put a smile on my face and put a smile on my um, friend Gary's face, too. We went to church on Sunday. Uh, Monday... We ended up driving to Yuma, Arizona, and uh, we crossed the border into Mexico. Boy, I'm telling you something. There's, it, it's something with that. They have uh, about a half a dozen dentists on site. I got a pair of glasses uh, less than a month ago at Costco, and uh, they were no improvement over the glasses I had. I still couldn't see small print, and I couldn't see stuff far away. Um I and paid like almost three hundred dollars uh, in Yuma, Arizona. I got a pair of glasses that I can see small print, and I can see further away. For a brand new pair of glasses with the eye exam, I paid ninety dollars. They're line both bifocals and uh, transition, so that was kind of cool. Well, Wednesday we left for Las Vegas, Nevada where they had the SEMA convention. You all know I'm a car guy, and we're going to do a lot of stuff on cars. In fact, I've got a few things coming up with shows in the future with people from car museums like the Auburn Court and Duesenberg Museum. We're going to call in, and we'll talk about the history of that, and they'll be taking calls. If you'd like to call in today, it's 773-763-9278. But while in Vegas, we uh, really was, it was something else. We were staying at the Harris Casino and Hotel, and they had a Ruth Crisp Steakhouse. So my friend Gary wanted to go to that, so we went to that. But also, while in Vegas, we went to the uh, uh, pawn shop 
also, we went to a gun shop, but we also went to the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. Folks, I, you know, I do a lot of museums and stuff like that. I shot, I don't know, probably a few hundred pictures there, a few hundred pictures at SEMA of cars. But the Mob Museum, they did such an excellent job putting that whole thing together. The building originally was built in 1933, and it's three stories. And they have, you go up to the top and you start working your way down. But it was originally the post office and the bank in Las Vegas. It's in downtown Las Vegas on Stewart Street. I talked to the uh, curator there, and he's going to definitely come on the show and tell us all the stories about mob. Um, He goes to me, he says, well, you want to just do Chicago mob, right? I go, no, I want to do, you know, what they did was this museum was so unbelievable. They have a whole thing about the Chicago mob, you know, that they're famous. I mean, no matter where you go, you know, it starts with Al Capone and moves on. But um, they did such a wonderful job with all of the mobs. So we're going to definitely have them come on. I think we're going to cut to a break here and uh, pick it up on the other side. Number here is 773-763-9278 if you like to call in. Uh, We got a lot of uh, things on car tips and that, so see you on the other side. Chicago History and Automotive Television and Radio Shows Podcast. Over 100 radio shows, over 75 television shows at RichieZ.com. That's R-I-C-H-I-E-Z-I-E.com. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and my website. That's RichieZ.com. Limo-style private tours of Chicago's historic downtown, lakefront, Magmile, Chicago mob, ghost, and haunted stories. Historic churches, stunning architecture. Up to six people per tour. We pick you up and bring you back in style. For Chicago tours you'll never forget, call 312-841-2560. That all-important phone number is 312-841-2560. Enjoy Chicago Stories with Richie Z on your PC or smartphone. Over 100 radio shows, over 75 television shows. Tune in at RichieZ.com. R-I-C-H-I-E-Z-I-E dot com. Or you can call Richie direct at 312-841-2560. 312-841-2560. Become a sponsor on the show. Call me again at 312-841-2560. Chicago History Presentations at your location and Zoom. Book Richie Z for a speaking engagement at 312-841-2560. That's 312-841-2560. You can also friend me on Facebook and Instagram. I'm also on YouTube. You can check me out on YouTube at RichieZ.com.
Welcome back, everybody. We finally got the issue with Facebook taken care of, so that's a great thing. So you could all uh, watch me as I'm doing my thing. But while I was away, I did a lot of things uh, for the show and that. Uh, next week, we're going to have a gentleman on. Uh, his name is John Weiss. He's been my friend for, oh gosh, a long time. Let's put it that way, 25 years at least. Uh, he does the tours of historic Illinois Route 66, and he's the actual person that they go to for information. He wrote books and everything. John is just a great guy, so he called me while I was out in Phoenix and uh, committed to doing uh, next Saturday with me here at the studio. But he lives downstate, so we're going to do him via the phone. Uh, there's a lot of other things that we're going to be dealing with. Uh, you know, I want to talk about something that's really near and dear to my heart. You know, I think you guys have heard that I had cancer and I also had a brain tumor. And uh, I won't get into the whole story about any of it, but I, I shouldn't even be here. But God keeps you here for a reason. And I've always been positive and I've always done things. I'll just tell you this part of it. When I got to cancer, it was so bad, and things changed with our um, political thing. It was during the Obama administration when they passed uh, uh, the American, you know, Care Act, and The Republicans gutted the uh, insurance industry and all of that. My insurance company wouldn't pay for surgery at uh, the hospital I was at. It was University of Illinois. So I had to restructure everything and go to uh, Mount Sinai, which um, was a a little whatever. But I I got mad during that whole time when things happened. And um, I actually one morning woke up and I was mad at everybody. But. I have angels all over the place, and I've been giving angels away for a long time, many, many years. And I looked up, and I saw my angel, and I just said, I'm done being mad. I'm done with all of this. I've had enough of it. Um, Tell him I'm ready. If he's going to take me, take me. If he's going to send me down there, it's okay. I know people down there. I think I'll be okay. So I've been giving away angels. You guys, I don't know. I haven't told you guys either. I, at the end of the month, I'm going to be doing another seminar at uh, Lighthouse for the Blind. I do volunteer work also. But I've, for many, many years now, gosh, a long time, I've been doing counseling for people with terminal illnesses or just people that need um to talk about their things they they come out you know and um, i'm just gonna tell you about this one i was at my friend gary's place and i always travel with angels also if you light a candle by an angel um, it's supposed to draw angels to your house so you know try to do that but gary's uh lady that cleans his house is housekeeper and landscaper um name is Maria. Her husband is uh, has cancer, and it's been very, very hard. Gary told me about it. So I walked up to her one morning, and I said, you know, here, I 
I want to give you this angel, and it has. It was an angel that you could put a candle into the back of it. And I told her about light the, you know, light the candle in your husband's room and um, go from there. You know, um, he's in God's hands. So no matter what happens, he's in God's hands. So she, I put a smile on her face. It was really something to see this. I put a smile on her face, but I put a tear in her eye. We went out shopping. Gary and I, we went out to lunch and everything. When we came back, she was gone. But she wrote me a note. To Richie, I want to say thank you for the angel candle you gave me. So very important for me. Something I wanted to give up. Sometimes I wanted to give up, but wouldn't. What happens? An angel like you appears in my life and is a blessing to me because my life is not easy. Is not It is a difficult. God gave me a hard test, but I can't give up. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to give you out my phone number also with what I do in that uh, my phone number is 312-841-2560. Um, a lot of times, well, I'll tell you this other story, too. My mother had three heart attacks and strokes in her life. The third one was massive, and she couldn't talk. She couldn't. Well, it was either a hospital bed or wheelchair. And uh, mom and I were very close. My father died when I was very young, so... I told mom I would always take care of her. So one thing led to another. She didn't go to a nursing home. She came to my house. And um, it's not an easy task to take care of somebody that's uh, an invalid. But I took care of mom. The doctors and everybody said that she wouldn't last. She wouldn't last three months. She was in very bad shape. She had a G-tube and... Uh, it was really difficult. Um, she ended up lasting two years. So with the right care and everything else, uh, that's what happened. Give me a call here at 773-763-9278 if you'd like to talk about anything. Uh, Chicago history, you want to try to stump me? Or if you have an automotive glitch, don't bitch, call Rich. On my way in today, I... Uh, had my light go on on my dashboard. I'm doing 75 miles an hour down 294, and my light goes on um, low tire pressure. So when I leave here, I'm hopefully going to find a place where I can uh, actually get some air in my tire. You know, we're getting into this cold weather now, and it's uh, it's something nobody ever uh, thinks about. Like I say, when I was out in Phoenix, I got phone calls on my phone because I give out my number. And I got phone calls. I got four phone calls from people from listening to the radio about uh, the segments I'm doing. So um, I just want to touch on a few things. We're right here. It's supposed to snow. It's supposed to rain. So um, number one, wintertime especially, uh, but always never let your tank go less than a half Especially now in the winter. The weather gets crummy. Um, You're stuck on the highway for two or three hours driving home. A lot of people run out of gas. 
a lot of people run out of gas. So you're stuck on the highway, stalled out. I'm going to give you some tips right now about how to prevent. Okay, you got gas in your tank and everything else. I'm going to tell you how to prevent uh, the electrical system for losing all the power. You know, your alternator keeps everything running. Everything's fine. But when you're stuck in traffic and you're moving very, very slowly, crawling, let's just say, in the winter, you got the heater on full blast. You got the defroster on full blast. You got the rear window defogger on full blast. You got the uh, windshield wipers on, the radio on, and then some, okay? If you're stuck in traffic like that, Turn your heater on. Do not use the rear window defogger. It takes an extreme amount of energy to use that. So it's going to drain your battery. And if your battery is just even a little bit low, you're going to be in trouble. You, we see people all the time pulled over and that, you know, because of that. So that's another good tip. Just use your heater. You know, you're going to have to use your wipers. But if you use Rain-X on your exterior glass in the wintertime, you don't even need the wipers half the time. And if it's covered in ice, your car's covered in ice, you can scrape the windows in less than two minutes. While I was at SEMA, I talked to a lot of people that we're going to probably have on the radio show. Uh, a big issue with cars, uh, summertime it's a big issue because of the heat, wintertime it's a big issue because of the cold, and that is uh, the battery in your car. So before we get started, definitely, um, if your battery's three or four years old, definitely go out and have it tested to make sure you can get it get through the winter months. But I talked to people from Pennzoil while I was at SEMA, and the uh, I was lucky because I met the head of the PR department for Pennzoil. So I always suggest before the winter starts, uh, change the oil and the filter in your car. Most of the damage done on an engine is done in the first 20 seconds when it starts if there's no oil up on you know the oil's not getting up by having extremely dirty oil the oil doesn't get up real quick if you're low on oil and you're not going to change it definitely keep it full at least that'll prevent engine damage too in the uh, cold weather cold weather is really really important for oil so i'd like to see you out there you know get that done um you know, the old thing about letting the car warm up in the mornings, you know, that that was a thing back in the day where um, it was a whole different system. Today with the computers and everything else, you know, start it up, give it about a minute, and you're fine to go. You don't have to warm the engine up. Everything's working very efficiently compared to the olden days where we would start the car uh, three minutes in advance. Or if you're like me, I got I have a vehicle where I have the uh, remote start. So um, if I remembered when I left the vehicle the night before uh, to turn the heat up all the way, um, I could turn the thing on in about three minutes before I walk out the door. You know, I'm getting my coffee and all of that stuff, uh, and that'll help me too. Um, 
They claim to keep jumper cables in your trunk. Um, that's a thing that's, again, it's a, a thing of the past, but... Uh, if you ever need a jump start, you have the cables to do that. So I would definitely put them around the uh, uh, spare tire. So that's covered up. I got a story for you, folks. Um, the roads out in Phoenix and Arizona and Yuma, everywhere we went, are just perfect. There, there's no. My friend Gary found a pothole and he hit it in Phoenix. On the beautiful highways there, pothole. But because he didn't have enough air in the tire, you know, all his other tires were down about 5 to 10 pounds. He admitted it, too. If uh, if he had enough air in the tires, he probably wouldn't have lost the tire. So that ended up uh, costing us some time out there changing the tire on the road. But also it cost him about $300. He has a beautiful car. He has a... Uh, a uh, Hyundai Genesis. What an amazing automobile. We got um, Brian on call. On, yeah, line one. Brian, what what can I do for you today? Well, hi. Uh, I'm just uh, checking in with you for the first time, and uh, I understand you're an expert on Chicago history, and I wanted to, uh, if you would, uh, uh, if you're familiar with the uh, Leop, Loban Leopold case about a hundred years ago, and the uh, great attorney Clarence Darrow. And if you could uh, explain about that a little bit, you know, I, I, um, I yeah, I can, and I'm going to do what you want. Um, but I, I like to do positives. But these two guys, these two kids, were from a very wealthy family, and uh, they ended up killing one of their classmates or somebody from their school. So they took him out to the uh, the park and that, and they killed him. Um, they ended up, um, the case dragged out for a while, but one of them uh, lost his glasses at the scene of the crime. So uh, they were able to finally cap, you know, get them and bring them to justice. Clarence Darrow represented them. Um, it was just, you know, it's just a real sad day, you know, that that kind of thing happened. They got, I think, man, they, they got a long prison sentence, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but here, oh, yeah, I heard they got life without parole. Right. And uh, uh, that's, uh, I'm uh, phoning in from uh, Joliet, and that would be about eight miles uh, north of here in uh, Stateville, Romeoville. Okay. Uh, and uh, Daryl, I understand, uh, would take a lot of cases um, for relatively small amounts of money, and he was 100% against the death penalty. And, uh, uh, well, he was able, uh, amazingly, uh, to get them uh, life in prison without parole instead of the uh, death penalty. Yeah. You know, like I say, I... Uh you know, Brian, I don't mind the question at all. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm good at Chicago history. I know something about it because I read the case and this and that. But I do Chicago tours. I've done thousands of hours downtown. When it comes to the negative stuff, it doesn't put smiles on people's faces that I'm talking to when I was doing the tours and that. I like to put smiles on people's faces and tell them about, you know, positive things, interesting things and stuff like that. But that was a that was a significant thing that happened in Chicago, and I did read about it. Anything else you want to touch on? 
Well, um, did you? Uh, uh, well, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, that was a very terrible story, but uh, still part of Chicago history. Uh, but uh, uh, Richard Crow, the ghost hunter, you knew him, huh? He was a very good friend. He was a dear friend of mine, and I kind of got. Uh, I, I kind of, uh, you know, I, I take pages out of other people's books, you know, and uh, I went on a number of his tours. We became very good friends, uh, and he was just a great guy. He was just a guy that tells the story, doesn't add nothing, does, you know, and he, he was one, just a very, very, very nice person. I, I really, I was sorry to hear when he passed away. Uh, how long did he pass away? I, uh, I used to hear him on... Uh uh, on another uh, a channel, that's where I picked him up. He would tell very. Uh, uh, I, I'm not one to believe in ghosts, but uh, he was able to put a scare into me just listening to him. Uh, and uh, how long ago did he uh, pass away? Sadly, it was a number of years ago. And the sad part about him, you know, he was uh, he was extremely heavy. Okay, and uh, it was a hot summer. I I don't remember what year, but it was a hot summer, and he had some issues, and they um, they called 911. They took him to the hospital. They stabilized him and everything. They got him healthy, and they sent him home. He died of uh, dehydration. He didn't drink enough when he went home, and uh, the heat and everything else. That's that's what he died of. He didn't have. He wasn't living with anybody. He was like me, a, a loner, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, that was really sad. Like I say, uh, he was another one. Paul Harvey was one of the people that I kind of take a page out of his book. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Jan Gabriel. He was the guy that said Sunday, 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 a beautiful. For U.S. 30 Dragstrip, he was another very good friend of mine, and, and uh, he, he really had some issues at the end, too. But I took a page out of their books because they were really a nice people. I got to move on. I got a Julie on uh, line two. Ju- Judy, are you there? I am here. What can I, I do for you. you today? I just wondered if you might be interested in my father's brush with Al Capone. He was a teenager, and um, he was just what they called a soda jerk. Had the you know after school job or whatever, and he worked in a at a pharmacy and they sold cigars. And it was I think around Grand Avenue, West Side, and um, he used to come in there because whatever was going on in the back, <laughs> there was meetings. And he would always buy a Ben Bay cigar. And yeah. he would come over to my dad and say, I'll have a Yebnib kid. He said it backwards. You know, you know, you know, one thing I want to tell you about Al Capone, you know, we always hear all the crazy, crazy. I lived in Taylor Street for 12 years, okay? And I heard I stuff. I a few people who came from around there. Pardon me? I knew people that I worked with came from around there. Well, I've talked to a lot of the older folks on this and that, and they told me stories about El Capone, which I I, I believe, okay, but uh, let's say he bought that cigar and he knew that uh, your father was having issues, you know, he wasn't worried, he needed money, okay? Instead of paying him the, the 50 cents for the cigar, he'd give him a 20, he said, just keep the change. You know, he'd walk up to people. Well, they, a lot of people, This they call it bathhouse uh, booze, 
okay? A lot of people were yeah. making alcohol. I think my I think my grandparents were one of them. Okay, so you know, you heard about that, but also he come up to you and he say, "Oh, you knew as you're you're you know you lost your job and you're you know having a rough time, your family." He'd come up to you, you know, in the neighborhood. Not him, but his. He'd send people out, and he'd say, "I want to rent your garage. Here's seventy five dollars a month." to get you through the depression. So, Both you know... My parents said that they liked him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He did a lot of good around the city. Yeah. So, listen, I got to move on. I got Jim on the other line. Uh, enough. Go ahead. Jim? Hi, Richie. It's great to hear the program. I was thinking of all these mayor, all these people running this mayor race, 400 of them. I was thinking of Larry Daly. He used to run against Larry Daly every time Larry Daly ran. Larry Daly. Remember Larry Daly? You know, I uh, there's a lot of stories about the election with Daly, and I was a young kid where I remember um, Adamowski ran against him. He ran, but Larry Daly was like the perennial candidate. He ran against them every time. And his first name was L-A-R-R. I think he ran for every, everything in the city he could run for, but... I don't know whatever happened to the character, but he ran against them for years. You know, from the fifties to the seventies. You know, he ran against them every year. He got clobbered every year, but he had the same last name. Did he get any votes at all? Well, he'd get he'd get twelve or fifteen votes. A couple of guys in Rush Street that were bonding up would go in and vote for him. But anyway, Richie, go ahead. Sorry, were you saying? Yeah, I, I, you know, you bring up a, a, you know, I, you know, I grew up and I never knew what I was living through when I was a kid. Okay, I grew up in Humble Park. Okay, so now Humble Park um, had an alderman, Alderman Keene. He lived on Augusta Boulevard, right across the street from the park, and he was the head of the city council. Yeah, and he was the. Uh, what's that? He's actually your fifth cousin, believe it or not. Uh, of of he was German and Irish. I, I know I know him very well. My mother worked for him. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead, Richie. He was a hell of a guy. We used to, you know, as kids, we, we I, I went to a Catholic uh, school. We had to sell chocolate bars. We had to sell raffle tickets and this and that. You knock on his yeah. door, he'd come to the door. Yeah, okay, here, here's two bucks or whatever. You know, that's the kind of guy he was. But we were, oh, yeah. we were part of his, uh, his ward. I'm going to tell you something. No matter what we needed, my father needed this or that. I was the one making the phone calls. My father spoke broken English. So I was at a young age. I was making the phone calls to get whatever we needed, and man, it was taken care of by within a few days. You know, so it was it was an interesting time. Um, boy, I'll tell you one thing right now. I think about it all the time. I wish we could go back to the simple times where we didn't have this kind of. Um, outrageous things happening now. I mean, I don't even say this isn't the world we live in. I say it's a different planet now with the craziness. You know? There's a labor guy in my family. His famous quote is, my great aunt told me, you know, Pete Senior, you'd say, anytime you leave Chicago, you're camping out. And that's the way it was with me with Chicago. Anytime I went busted anywhere around the country, I would take a freight train back to Chicago because I know I could always make a buck here. Anyway, you've got a great show, Richie, and have a good night, Pill. Hey, thank you for calling. I really appreciate it. Um, we're going to go to Ted. He wants to know about the Bears. Yeah, Richie. Yeah, how you doing? I'm enjoying your show. It's a good time. It's, you're like my uh, like one of my uncles back at one of the family parties on a holiday. You're sitting around. 
and Richie's talking to you, telling the story. It's awesome. You can book but me yeah. to do that at your at your next uh, party. I, I do come out and do that for $150 for about an hour and a half presentation at Chicago. What do you, you want to know what? about I the Bears? Okay, and tell the people. Yeah, I wonder if the Slug Packer fans know that early on, and we're talking about, you know, when it was uh, – Wait, that the George Ellis actually floated Curly Lambeau alone to keep the Packers going. These were the first two teams in the league, right? They were the, the Green Bay Meat Packers and the Decatur Staley's. But tell some of the story about how they came up here and all that, all right? And the Cardinals, you know, pop up here and forcing them on their hands, all of that stuff. That's positive. More positive than the Bears now a lot of times, unfortunately. You know, George Hallis started football, okay? He was the guy that started football. I mean, he was just, he loved the game. And what he brought to Chicago, you know, I I, I don't know if you heard this, uh, but uh, did you hear what happened to the Bears today? Um, the um, Mama Bear and Papa Bear are in court. They're getting a divorce. So the judge hears all the testimony. She says, okay, let me see Baby Bear in my chamber. She says, I'm going to put you with uh, Mama Bear. He goes, she beats me. All right, we'll put you with Papa Bear. Yeah, but he beats me even more. Judge goes, who do you want to go with? I want to go with the Chicago Bears. They don't beat anybody. Nice. Richie. Uh, it's, it's cute. It's, it's, it's sad but true, right? Yeah, is that part of your show for the 150? It gets the the good the good material like that. I I'll I'll you know the the wonderful thing if I come out or if I take you on a tour of Chicago, you can put six people together. You're going to hear stories you never heard before. Um, you're going to hear things you know. But the the nice part about what I do is I take questions. I'll do my thing, but I'll take questions because people always want to know about you know like I'm doing t- today. People want to know about different things. Okay. So so I, you know, and I'm pretty good at it, you know. I'm sure you are. Man. So I'm sure you are. You're just on the radio, this is this is a this is a great advertisement for you. This is what you do. This is fun listening to you. Uh, old Chicago, you're an old school Chicago guy. I, I mean, if you're from around here, I think you're you're just addicted to hearing guys like you tell your stories. On you know, as much as I tend not, not to be patient enough to listen to anybody's story. A guy like you, I can listen to you talk. No doubt about you know, it. one of the things that, that I tell all the time is, you know, um, I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm from Polish Broadway. That You know, um, I was born on Huron Street, but we were at Ashland and and uh, North Avenue. We were at uh, Western and, and uh, Armitage. Uh, we moved to... Uh, Crystal Street in in Humble Park, uh, Crystal and, and Holman, and I at that time got my driver's license. And I don't know about you, but when I turned sixteen, when I got my driver's license, I already had a car for over a year. Um, I started dating women, and it was during the muscle car era and it was if the girl was pretty and they were pretty back then you know i i grew up in the era when there was hot pants mini skirts go-go boots it was hot but i would date girls and i would meet girls all over and i met girls that lived on the south side north side west side east side you know from the suburbs i'd go out with them so i traveled all around to date and i was able to learn more and more and more about chicago that's where i that's where it all started so 
you know, it's it's kind of cool that I'm able to use that kind of stuff now with what I'm doing. And people love the stories. I tell the story about Riverview, why it closed. And, you know, we got a bunch of stuff coming up on the show. Uh, Ted, uh, anything else I can touch on? Because I got a few more callers I want to hit. Okay, so real quickly, in the light of what happened Tuesday night, uh, you know, as like none of us should, we should herald and, and don't discount the young people. You know, don't just tell your old story to the old people. You know, let the young people hear the old stories from you. It's kind of interesting, you know, so don't don't count them out as a potential audience for you. All right. My my uh, my editor now is 23 years old. Cameron's 23 years old. He rebuilt my website. We're working together really well. And you know what? He loves he loves Chicago history. He loves the churches. I do so. Yeah. Tell me, tell me. I you know I you know what? I used to try to get you to listen or try to win you over to my side. Now I'm at a point in my life where you know if you like what I do, fine. If not, goodbye. Because I don't have time to mess around. I want to put a smile on people's faces. And that's what I do. And that's what God kept me here to do. So let me move on to another call. I got somebody that wants to know about the Sabo, a question about the Sabo. I was just starting to read up on that whole thing now, but I know a little bit about it. Go ahead. Uh, thank you for taking my call, Richie. Apologize for my voice. I got a cold here. Uh, yeah, uh, I grew up in the same era, too. I remember those hot pants. I mean, I could picture it right now. I mean, as far as the girls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and, 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 oh, by the way, the, the hot pants and all that that you mentioned, that was during the time of Walter Payton. Walter Payton was on the Soul Train. Soul Train was from Chicago originally in black and white. I remember that. I met him, and I used to go to his bars, and we became somewhat of, you know, friendly together. So he had a couple of bars. He had one in uh, Schomburg, uh, where Beginnings used to be. He opened up a 50s type of nightclub there. So. And if people go to YouTube, they'll see Walter Payton dancing with his snow bottoms at uh, Soul Train. There's a video out there somewhere. We're gonna do we're gonna do the whole story about the Chicago television and radio, but we're gonna do a thing yeah. on Soul oh, Train. It'll be an interesting way. You got a great show, by the way, Richie. My question is this: uh, uh, Recently, he got. Uh, honorary mention as far as Lakeshore Drive, but don't you think that he got the short end of the deal? This is just my opinion. Uh, rather than a plaque downtown or a, a bust of him or the head uh, of him, uh, uh, because he was the founder of Chicago, from what I understand, back in the 1700s, uh, he, if he had been a white man, there would be statues, there would be all sorts of things. So he got a museum. He got an honorary mention as far as Lakeshore Drive, uh, and uh, they put up a, they put a thing a while back uh, on the lakefront of Chicago. As you're coming into the uh, Navy Pier on the side street, there there's a harbor like Burnham Harbor. Well, there's a harbor yeah. uh, close to Navy Pier, and it says the Salble Harbor and that. So, uh, oh really? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, that, know that, that that's that's been up for a long time. So um, really, yes, yes, and then I think I. Think Think that I, I'm not positive, but uh, you know, when I do tours, I tell people walk this, that, you know, the other thing. Uh, Michigan Avenue Bridge uh, overlooking the river, um, east of uh, of Michigan Avenue, uh, on the uh, north side. There's a whole bunch of things, you know, from the uh, uh, Fort Dearborn thing in 1812 and all this other stuff. Uh, I think there's, I'm not positive, but I think there's a mention of him over there, too. 
So, uh, oh yeah, to your to your to your, uh, to your point as far as your tours and everything, do people a lot of people ask about him? Because I would think that uh, he, you know, as far as uh, one the number one mentioned, the guy that's the most popular as far as uh, no, I've, I've never really gotten any people mentioning you know talking about him. See, that's my point. Uh, that's the, my the point. number one person they talk about, and you're never going to change this. Fifty million people visit Chicago for the last fifteen years, other than uh, Kovic. Yeah. Only one they ask about is El Capone, and then they ask yeah, about one lady. Who, who do you think yeah. the lady is from Chicago? Uh, the lady. Uh, I don't know, Mayor Byrd. I don't no, know. No, Oprah Winfrey. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's been off the air so long that I forgot all about it. Yeah, her. well, yeah, they ask about Oprah, right. and then they ask about Al Capone, you know, so I... Yeah, back to the 80s. I mean, that, that's when Oprah started her career in the 80s. Uh, I believe she came from Baltimore, if I'm not mistaken. That's where she started working. I don't know too much about Oprah. That's just taking up. She, slain, yeah, okay. she slayed the dragon, okay? Uh, yeah. Donahue... Uh, was the king of talk yeah. radio, period. They they brought yeah. Oprah in, and I don't, I, I, I'll tell the story, but uh, they brought her in because of, there was a bunch of controversies about them not hiring, um, you know, black people, okay? So they found Oprah Winfrey. She had a big afro. She was overweight. She was doing news, okay? Weather and news. And they figured, you know, to bring her to Chicago and this and that. Well, Oprah has charisma. Oprah has personality. Oprah has a class where she's not a, you know. So when they brought her here, what do you think she did? She she did very well. And she took out, you know, Donahue. And she became the number one talk show in the nation. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's that's that. kind of a great story to tell about Chicago. I love, like I say, I love positives. So, you know. Um, and there's some cool stories about Oprah, too, because her studio on Randolph Street was haunted. Oh, really? Yeah. So, you know, when uh, it wasn't the same building, but she built she bought a bunch of property there, uh, probably a few acres. And she built a studio. She built a huge office complex. And, uh, bef- you know, before her doing that, the building that was there um in the early 1900s when that uh, ship overturned in the river um, and uh, was over 800 people passed away, they took them all over the city and built mixed-ship uh, morgues. Uh, well, people didn't claim the bodies because uh, nobody from the family was in America. These Most of them were immigrants from Europe and that, so... You know, the bodies laid there for a while. So Oprah Winfrey one day was in the studio, well, in her office complex by herself, doing some stuff. And all of a sudden, the temperature got to be 50. She went to the control room and all the all the thermostats were turned down to 50. She goes back to her office and she's doing stuff. And they had a big room for copy machines and all this other stuff. She goes back there and all the copy, all the copy machines are spitting out paper. She called the police. It's documented. So, hey, listen, I'm coming to a close of an, another show. Anything else can I can say, answer can for can you? Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Can I say one more thing, Richie? Yes. I know back in the 80s with uh, the Blues Brothers, uh, the city of Chicago became a, 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 a mecca of making movies, meaning uh, when Mayor Daly uh, Jr. 
uh, you know, they, he started letting a lot of movies be filmed here. But prior to that, in the in the twenties and thirties, didn't they make a lot of movies in Chicago, black and white? Am I wrong about that? Chicago was the birthplace of motion pictures, and you're wrong about yeah, Daly. Yeah, yeah. It was Jane Byrne that let the Blues Brothers film yeah, their movie yeah. here in Chicago. And, and because of that... keyboard player for the Blues Brothers was also George Dunn's kid. Okay, but uh, uh, the uh, Blues Brothers were here because of Jane Byrne. So, yeah. Listen, right, Richie, thank you for, for letting me... Uh, Give me some time to, to express that question. So I'll be listening. you got a great show. I appreciate you, brother. Have a thank, good night. Thank you. You know what? I'm going to tell you something, folks. I love you all. I love doing what I do. Uh, I touch people's hearts. I put smiles on faces. 